Happy Father's Day. I'm thinking about all the dads at Grace, and we love you. We want to honor you. I think about all the steadiness, serving, sacrificing for families, uh, listening, caring, praying, uh, courageous, kind. There's just so many words to describe the dads at Grace. We're one family. But again, we honor you. We appreciate you. This weekend, show dad some love. Let him relax. Serve up some food. And uh, just show your gratitude to your father as well. Of course, every dad and every good thing that comes from dad ultimately points us to our heavenly father. And we're so grateful that some of us, you know, we have had challenging relationships with our earthly dads. And we look to our heavenly father who brings so much healing and contentment and joy in the middle of some of that pain too. But dads, we honor you. We're thinking about you, praying for you this weekend. And we have a unique message. It's a standalone message. It's kind of a state of the church message as well. And next week, Lord willing, we're going to start a new series. This will be Isaiah. We're going to go through the book, the prophet, this summer. And that'll start next weekend. We look at how Isaiah talks to really our souls as he's talking to Israelites as a nation and individually. We're looking forward to that. And one other uh, mention as well is uh, as we start these pilots right now, I personally am so excited to see more our church family just returning to this place and starting to fill this place with praise and reconnect. We'll do it safely. We'll do it prayerfully a step at a time. But we're going to learn a lot over the next month on these Saturday nights. And if you're interested in being here on a Saturday night, if you feel comfortable, there's no pressure at all. In fact, stay at home if it feels like too much of a risk or it's not safe. But if you are comfortable, there'll be opportunities to let us know. You can reserve a spot and uh, Saturday nights uh, together at the church and online like this. Let's pray as we seek the Lord. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are a perfect father. Thank you that you bring healing and hope to our lives. God, we thank you that uh, through your word and your spirit and the love we feel from one another, Lord, your presence becomes more real to us. And Father, I pray for anyone that feels discouraged and trapped today. I pray that it would be so evident, God, that you provide a way. You're our provider. You are strong. Your grace is sufficient. And in our weakness, God, you shine. And Lord, we look to you together. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. A meaningful pause. Let's take a meaningful pause together. And there's a word in the Bible, Selah. Selah is found 71 times in the Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. And it's a musical term, which means to pause. But then there's another meaning, and it's a belief that it has many aspects and rhythms in terms of our spiritual life. It means to pause, to think, to reflect. It's a time of refreshment. It's a time to get close to God and prepare for what's next. All of this, Selah, in a meaningful pause. Now, in some ways, we've kind of had a pause in our lives the last three months. We feel like this is a long pause. Why would we highlight this weekend as a pause? Well, there's a difference between a pause and a meaningful pause. So how do you make the pauses in your life meaningful? Let's take a look at the Psalms. David was the human author for so many of the Psalms, the Holy Spirit writing through him. And in Psalm 3, look at verses 3 to 5, we see Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Selah, 
There it is. Selah. Let's take that in, that God's the lifter of our heads, that God is a shield around us, that God answers our prayers. We just pause and take that in, who he is, how he works. And then David continues, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. This is one of the most intense times in David's life. His son Absalom, you think family harmony? No, Absalom wants to take the throne. Absalom's looking how he can kill David. Imagine your own child wants to kill you. David's on the run. He's vulnerable. And what's he going to do? Selah, selah. David cultivated a rhythm in his life where he would pause Gain confidence in the Lord, faith in the Lord that transcends any, underst- any situation. The peace of God transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. David takes that in. Selah, I'm not alone. Selah, I'm not forsaken. Selah, I don't need to worry. Selah, I don't need to be afraid. Selah, God has a purpose. Selah, I'm going to trust the Lord. He's the lifter of my head. It's important not just to take a pause, but a meaningful pause. Selah, and listen to the Lord. Now, Jesus often withdrew. Why did he withdraw? Why did he go to solitary places where he's all alone? Selah, listen to the Father, redirection, refuel. We need the Lord. We need to listen. We need to listen close. Silence is important. Sometimes God speaks the loudest in the silence. It's okay to be still. It's all right. God's there. God communicates through his word and his spirit. And with that concept of Selah, let's now enter into our main passage today. This is from Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to lay this out with three insights. And Selah, we're going to look past, present, and future. Process and take in all three with God. Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 9. And again, let's consider kind of a state of the church, church family. What's God doing in a time like this? Well, we're going to go back a few thousand years to see what God was doing then. And there's some parallels. Verse 9, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, they pursued the Israelites and they overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pyroth opposite baal Safan. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert." Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Selah, be still. Now, what was the feeling for the Israelites at that time? They were really feeling pressed. Have you been feeling pressed lately? Pressed by your circumstances, Pharaoh's army is ready to kill them. The Red Sea is blocking them in, and they just feel squeezed and pressed. 
Maybe you felt pressed financially, pressed emotionally, pressed spiritually. God doesn't waste pain. God doesn't waste trials. In fact, in the middle of the pressing, sometimes there's clarity with purpose. Sometimes God will confirm his purpose in the pressing. Jesus was in Gethsemane in the garden, and it was a place of pressing. That's where the olive oil was made. Jesus was pressed. He prayed drops of blood in that pressing. You know, sometimes God does part the Red Sea and you walk through it. But sometimes you say, yes, Lord, your will be done, and you drink the cup of suffering. And in that pressing, Jesus confirming that the Father's will was to die on a cross, the most painful death imaginable, and he drank the cup. But there was clarity. In that time of pressing, listen to the Lord for clarity. He might bring a miracle, or he might just ask you to walk the road of suffering. But you can trust him. You can trust his purpose, even in the pressing. So here's the pressing, here's the situation, and let's think past, present, and future. One insight for each, starting with the past. God wants us to be grateful for our past, but not gripped by our past. That's an important distinction. We want to be grateful for our past, but not gripped by our past. I mean, what do you do when life's difficult? How do you respond? It's clear in this passage that they're like, we want to go back to Egypt. Let's go back. Let's go back. They're not going to go back to Egypt. If your goal is to relive and re-enter the past, you can never get there. You can't live in the past. But a lot of people are saying, let me go back to Egypt. They were actually slaves in Egypt. Why would they want to go back there? Well, it kind of felt comfortable. Sometimes the past just feels comfortable to kind of go back there. You can't go back. You might be gripping the past if you just desire to go back, go back, go back. But you also might be gripping the past if you just continue to replay the wrong decisions that you made. Moses, at age 40, he could have been a leader that delivered the people, but you know what? He murdered a man. And he could be replaying that. The next 40 years he spent in the desert. How many nights, how many days is he replaying? I murdered the man. I didn't listen to God. I murdered the man. I didn't listen to God. Some of us need to turn off the tapes of the sins or the errors, the mistakes, the bad decisions in the past because we don't live in the past. We don't want the past to grip us or have a grip on us. Moses had to receive God's grace. Finally, at age 80, he said yes to the Lord, received the grace, started to lead again. But it was going to be important that he's going to trust the Lord. He learned a lot over those 80 years, and now he had 40 more to trust the Lord. But you can't be gripped by past mistakes or even the good old days. You can't go back and live there. We want to be grateful for what God's done in the past. And I'll tell you, during a pandemic, it's important to remember all that God has done in the past. I don't know if you see this, but I see people getting grumpy in the middle of the pandemic. Sometimes it's people I didn't, I've never seen them this grumpy or grumbling. I've never seen someone grumble like that before. It's a little out of character, but you know what? Last three months, some pressure's building up and sometimes people get grumpy and start grumbling. No, let's be grateful. Let's think about what God has done in the past. Let's be grateful. God wanted them to remember his great rescue out of Egypt, not go back to Egypt. I have this, uh, something started in my 20s, that when life gets overwhelming, I'll just start giving God thanks. And I look to the past, and I start giving God thanks for what he's done. And as I think back the last three months, I wanted to list, and I often do lists of 10, but I wanted to list 10 things that I'm so thankful for. First, our staff and elders. So united. I've seen them adjust. I see them seek the Lord, uh, diligent, going the extra mile. I'm so grateful how they've served Jesus and our church family. 
the last three months. I'm so grateful for the leaders at Grace, hundreds of leaders. And I think of our life group leaders who are really shepherds in our church and the care that happens, the connection, uh, now meeting over Zoom digitally, praying for people, making phone calls. I'm so grateful that the life groups are the core of our church. And so many people are in life groups because if we didn't have life groups, we wouldn't have been nearly as prepared for a, a time like we've just gone through. So I'm thankful for our life groups and our leaders. I'm thankful for our homes and what God is doing there. You know, without being able to come to this building, a lot of times in homes right now, people are getting more uh, worship at home, more prayer at home, more conversations, deep conversations, more time in the Bible at home. And you know, God's doing something in the home and we're realizing this home can be a place that's spiritually vibrant, that God meets us here in amazing ways. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for our weekend services, our tech teams, our media teams, our communication teams, and uh, everything that's happening digitally. It's amazing how much this ministry's grown the last three months, and it wouldn't have uh, probably if we never had the pandemic. But so many lives have been changed, and not just locally, but you know, internationally in what God's doing for such a time as this. And it highlights to me that you cannot quarantine the Word of God. You cannot quarantine the Word of God. The Word of God will continue to go forth around the world through many churches and many ministries as we see today. I'm thankful to God for uh, so many people in our church loving their neighbor in new ways, meeting the neighbors, having conversations with neighbors, maybe even with masks on, but having conversations with neighbors, serving neighbors. I love this phrase as I was listening to some people, beyond the wave. I can't tell you how many people say, oh, you should just wave to my neighbor. I just waved, didn't really know their life, their story or anything, but I'd always wave. Now I'm going beyond the wave and relationships are being built. And the Bible says, love your neighbor. We're seeing that played out right now. Also sharing your story. We just watched a story every weekend. We watch another story. You've been posting your stories on social media. It, God's been using it in incredible ways. I can encourage you to continue to do that. Just share your story, post it. Um, that's powerful. Stories are powerful. It doesn't feel like, well, that's a program or that. No, it's just from someone's heart, sharing their story and the connection that happens. Also, I'm thankful for our facility. When you return here, you'll see some new stuff in the lobby, on the walls. Grace Cafe, uh, there's been a lot of upgrades in Grace Cafe. A lot of volunteers and staff have been working in there at different times, and uh, it's a great feel. So our facility, also financially, as you continue to be generous, international partners, the sound, our church family, uh, we've seen God uh, provide for our needs during this time. And I want to say again, I'm so glad we're out of debt. Uh, that has helped prepare us for this time as well. And then encouragement personally, I uh, received so many texts, emails, calls. I mean, honestly, it's, it's been, um, it, it just keeps bringing life and bringing life. And we do that with each other too. And encouragement, I think, has grown in many ways during this time. And I know that's helped me and I see that in our church family. And then lastly, I'll say, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, info at graceandauburn.com. As simple as that email is, info at graceandauburn.com. So many people in our church family have shared their prayer request. I need some help with this. 
Uh, they want you, maybe you want a phone call. Maybe you're in a tough spot financially, and then we have some resources that we can talk with you about the situation and try and provide some for you. Info at graceandauburn.com. I'm thankful for that simple email. So these are, all right, 10 things I've just listed. And you say, well, that took a while. It's good to stop and think and say la and remember how God has been so good, even during the most difficult times of your life. And I was, uh, yesterday, I took a picture. I was at Memorial Stadium. And this stadium's special. I, I didn't even know the history of our church. And I was just playing soccer there before. But at Memorial Stadium, as you see this picture right here, that's where our church really started. Billy Graham came in the 1950s. And as he came, what's the DNA of our church? To love Seattle, to love the sound, for a gospel movement, for changed lives. And nothing has changed. I'm so thankful for our church, the decades of faithful from God, from other people. And as I'm in that place and I get to go to Memorial Stadium at different points, I just soak it in what God started about 70 years ago, what he still continues to do. Our God has been faithful in the past and that brings confidence to where God will lead us as well. So we take all this in, glory to Jesus, and uh, God is moving. I'm grateful for our church family. God's done a lot God is moving. He's done a lot in the last three months. Maybe it's been underneath, behind the scenes. He's done a lot of great things. And they had to acknowledge God delivered them out of Egypt. And that was a great, great rescue from slavery. So that's looking to the past. Uh, Let's move forward to the present. Selah. What do we take in at the present? Here's the second insight. A meaningful pause now can fill your life with the presence the perspective, the promises, and the power of God. Why do we pause when it's a fast-paced culture and so many voices and distractions? Why would we pause? Because we want to be filled with the Spirit, God's presence, God's perspective. We want to see things the way God sees things. We want to love people and see people the way God sees people. We want our hearts to break for the things that break God's heart. We want to remember his promises that stand and rise above the circumstances. We want to walk in his power. And when we take that in, in the present time, God changes us in the moment. Uh, What does Moses say to the people? Moses says, be still. The Lord is fighting for you be still. Be still. The Lord is fighting for you. And they're going to try to take that in, what Moses is saying. That's not easy to take in when you're feeling pressed. It's not easy to take that in. They're processing so much. We're processing so much right now. Uh, Maybe there's battle fatigue, maybe exhaustion on a few different levels. You know, I I wrote down some of the things we're going through and we're experiencing realities in the present. Uh, We miss handshakes, high fives, hugs. We don't even know when they're coming back. Um, What about self haircuts? Those aren't always pretty. Some of us were ready for that uh, before the pandemic hit. Uh, There's less travel, less movie theaters right now, restaurants, entertainment, is changing in the present. We just don't know. Are there going to be big events? Are there going to be sports camps? I think of our kids like going off to camp in the summer. It's not there right now. Concerts, exercise clubs, mine just shut down. They shut down a whole bunch of stores. They're not going to be around anymore. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of change, things closing down in the present. And then um, there's also uh, right now a lot of people, their screen time is just way up, six, 10, 12 hours a day, and there's less person-to-person time. And that's a reality 
there's a lot of isolation right now. So I'm not denying realities. A lot of people are worried, stressed, despair. There's hatred. Uh, the economy right now, what's going to happen in the next six months? A lot of different forecasts. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people are concerned they're not going to have a job next month. These are realities. There's a lot of racial tension. We long to tackle injustice. We need healing. We need healing right now. That's another reality. We're praying for unity. Uh, we also see the restoration that's needed on many levels and in relationships. And then the comfort in terms of grieving. We have people that are in our church family who've lost family members. I got a message today saying, please pray, please pray for my brother. My brother has COVID. He's in the hospital right now. I don't know if he's going to make it. So this is ongoing. Family members have passed. We need a lot of comfort. We need um, healing as well. And worldwide, hundreds of thousands of people. So we feel pressed And when you say, well, be still, the Lord's going to fight for you, the Lord's with you, it's like, well, I'm seeing a lot of my realities, and how does that fit? And for the Israelites, the tension was real. How does that fit, Moses, when I'm looking around and I see the Red Sea in front of us, I see Pharaoh's army about to kill us? How does that work? How does that fit? You know, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, an important uh, time in history for the Israelites, and we read this from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. From Zebulun, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty, 50,000. What does it mean that they understood the times? They understood the realities of the situation and the challenges. They understood who God is. They were discerning, but understanding the times was far more than just a little bit of intellectual or, you know, relationship intelligence, understanding the times, they were warriors, and this was the mission, bring back the ark. At that time, they didn't inquire of the Lord. Saul the king didn't inquire of the Lord. The country was going downhill. David's going to step in as the next king, a man after God's own heart, and they knew they needed the presence of God. Now, the presence of God and the ark were closely attached in a spiritual and a wonderful way. If there was an ark right now, I would say we need to bring back the ark. I would say we need spiritual warriors right now. We need people who would seek the Lord, who would repent, who would cry out. We need to bring back the ark. We need the glory of the Lord. We need the presence of the Lord in our homes, in our land. We need to bring back the ark. They were on a mission. They knew they needed the presence of God. They knew they had drifted and wandered so far. They were men of understanding. We need men and women of understanding. We need all generations, cultures coming together, understanding who the Lord is and what we need for a time like this. And uh, there are a lot of positives going on. You know, as I hear stories, these are the things I hear. Uh, A lot of trips to Home Depot. A lot of things in the to-do list getting knocked out. A lot of home projects. A lot of yard work. Lawns are looking better than ever. I'm just hearing that a lot, seeing some of that. Uh, Better hygiene, people point out, the last three months. Uh, There's also a lot of people were able to work from home, spend more time with family. That's a positive. Less pollution in the environment, I hear. More positives that are going on right now. And then also, uh, when you think about um, family meals, more family meals are happening together. That's cool. I enjoy that in our house a lot. A lot of positives. But even as we hear these different positives, don't we know deep inside that there's something much more significant than that right now? What does God want to do right now? I believe it's a filling, a filling 
of the Holy Spirit, a filling of his presence. You know, we talk about binge on Netflix, and a lot of people are binge watching their favorite shows. I encourage you to binge on the word of God, binge on the promises of God, binge on prayer, binge the Holy Spirit filling. God is doing a deep work. God is not silent right now. God is not distant. God is not powerless. God is doing a deep work in anyone who's hungry, thirsty, listening, Selah. God is transforming in amazing ways that weren't happening four months ago, six months ago. But God is doing it. And I'm seeing a hunger for God. I'm seeing a hunger for God from people who don't know Jesus. And if you're watching today, you don't know Jesus, so glad you're here with us. People who have left the church for a long time are peeking back in, looking back in, longing. Google search, prayer, spiking, spiking. People are saying, all right, I think I need to pray. How do you pray? What's prayer? How does God answer prayer? There's a hunger right now. So there's a transformation, a hunger. And uh, we want to, in the presence, say la, God's presence, his power, his promises, his perspective. We need him right now in the present. So the past, we're going to be grateful. In the present, God wants to fill us. And now what about looking forward? Here's the insight, final insight. Our future is not about the size of the sea or the width of the waves, but the greatness of God. Looking ahead at their future, right? There's the Red Sea. They could talk about the size of the sea, the width of the waves, but that's not where the story is. The story is in the greatness of God. The greatness of God, that's our future. That's our future. And they needed to shift from just what they saw to faith in the Lord. Now, God uh, it was going to guide them through Red Sea towards the promised land, but they didn't see it coming. I'm convinced that a lot of the greatest things in your life right now that God's going to do, you won't plan it. You won't see it coming. It's not going to be your power. It maybe wasn't expected, but God's in it, and he wants you to trust him, walk by faith, be still. He's fighting for you. It's going to be a miracle. Jesus told the disciples, He said, you know, these things with people, impossible. But with God, it's possible. That's a big difference. He's trying to get the disciples to shift their faith, their mindset. With people, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. And of course, at that time, they were journeying towards a promised land. And right now, we're not journeying towards a physical land. But I believe God is leading us towards a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening. Again, in our hearts, our homes, in the land, Uh, It's so needed. I've never seen our country so ripe for a movement. There's a hunger that's growing spiritually. And Jeremiah gives us a picture because it was one of the bleakest times. Jeremiah, right? Lamentations. But look at this vision that God gave them. Jeremiah chapter 33, starting in verse 6. Just take in this vision of what can be, what's ideal. Nevertheless, God says, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me, and I will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things I will do for it, and they will be in awe, and they will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. 
Jesus said an abundant life, a spiritually abundant life. Abide and respond, abide and abound. What God is going to do in the city, in the people's lives would be for his glory. And you get that picture and you say, okay, well, spiritual awakening, the overwhelmingly good presence of God, transforming. What would that look like? What's my role? What's your role? What's your role? Two things I want to highlight. The first one is listen. The second is lead. First, listen. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Listen. Here's some listening I've been doing. Uh, To start the year, I said, who in our church family is hungry for a spiritual awakening? Just email me. I've never done anything like that before. Hundreds of people emailed and said, I'm in. I'm in. I didn't know what was coming up in 2020, but I just sensed like we're going to go through, this year it's going to be different, and we need to be hungry for a spiritual awakening. Hundreds of people said yes, yes. About a month ago, I just sensed it was time, Tuesdays to fast. We're going to fast on Tuesdays, one meal for the rest of the year. I know we fast for three weeks in January, but this is a year to continue to intentionally fast together. Every Tuesday, fasting for a meal and seeking the Lord and listening, fasting and listening to God. That was the second thing. And here's a third thing. I went to a conference, and uh, it was many pastors around the sound. And at that conference, I sensed, the Lord was saying, gather the leaders of the citywide movements in the Pacific Northwest. And so twice now we've met, and it's leaders from Seattle, Vancouver, Portland, Boise, Spokane, uh, Corvallis. Now I'm doing a little geography right here. Uh, Eugene and uh, Bellingham. So there we go. In uh, Pacific Northwest. Why are we getting together? Because we're praying for an awakening. We're seeing God's doing citywide movements and we're coming together. I'm just highlighting some of the things when I seek the Lord and try to listen that I'm hearing. And I'd ask you, what are you hearing in 2020? What are you hearing? Selah. Time in God's word. Stillness. The Holy Spirit, how is God speaking to you and communicating? Write it down. We need to listen to the Lord, not just the many, many loud voices on social media and the news. Listen, the spiritual awakening isn't going to come from the government. It's not going to come from the media. It's not going to come just from finances. I'm not saying these different things aren't important, but it's going to come from God's people listening to God, listening to God. And God, bring your renewal and we walk by faith. So listen, and then the second one is lead. When I say lead, uh, you might think, well, I'm not a leader. I don't lead a lot of big stuff. Lead is kind of a synonym for influence. Every single one of us has far more influence than we can see, far more influence than we can even imagine. People look to you, they see you, they notice you. What you do inspires them and the influence just multiplies. And so what does this look like? A couple of themes that stand out to me. And uh, the first one is healing. So I'm not going to talk about programs right here. I'm just going to highlight a couple themes as we look forward. Uh, First one's healing. Do you know how many people are in pain right now? Do you know how deep that pain is and that loneliness and that despair? We need a lot of healing. We need to be instruments of God's healing. That includes listening, understanding, that includes generosity. Uh, that healing sometimes includes apologizing and repenting. That healing is caring. It's a personal touch. God brings his greatest healing usually through relationships and a personal touch. It's a time of healing looking forward in 2020. Second, it's a time of training. Training. 
how to. The longer I'm in ministry, the more it becomes evident to me that people don't know how to. They hear messages on things, but, but they don't know how to. And then how, how to pray, how to seek God, how to listen to God, how to parent, how to have a great marriage, how to love your neighbor, how to share your faith. A lot of people have heard hundreds of messages. They've read the Bible chapters over and over again, but they don't know how to. They need someone to come alongside of them and teach them how to and do it with them. In the training, the multiplying, we're talking about Father's Day, starts in the home with kids, but how to. Those most important things in life, those things that the Bible emphasizes, how to worship, how to pray, how to share your faith, how to love people, how to forgive, how to. And it's a time of training in 2020. The third thing I would say is it's a time of decentralizing. You know, the mindset, it's easy to have a religious mindset, which is compartmentalized, means you have to come to the building and it's programs and it's one hour on Sunday or Saturday. God is breaking down that mindset. I like how Kerry Newhoff says it. Instead of always talking about people going to church, you know what's happening? The church is going to people. And when we know we're on mission, where we live, work, learn, or play, now ministry shifts. It's not program first, it's people first. It's relationship first. It's not that you have to come to a building. It's great to gather in the building. I miss that. But true ministry of the Bible, it's not just gathering together, but it's going out, decentralized, empowering God's people, 24-7 relationship filled with the Holy Spirit as God's ambassadors. That's what God's doing right now as we look forward to the future. And the last one I'll mention is, I know the other three ended in ing. So, uh, I mean, there was healing, training, and then there was decentralizing. So I should probably say digitalizing, but I've never said that word before. Uh, What I'm seeing right now is that God, there's an incredible harvest of people who are interested in God, interested in Jesus. But you know what? There's no church buildings to go to. Some of them don't know followers of Jesus. So you know what's happening right now? It's happening digitally. People around the world. And in some country where they don't even allow Jesus' name to be preached, digitally, through social media, internet, websites, people sharing content. This is crazy. But I'll tell you, in the last year, I think just our church alone has reached millions of people online millions of people, just our church alone, not to mention the other churches. What is God doing? It used to be a Romans road, the gospel would travel. Now, digitally, it's not going to change. It's not going to stop. Where are people? You go to where people are, they're on their phones. They're eating up spiritual content in its websites, its social media, it's stuff you share with friends and family, or you post. Like It just goes. It travels. God is doing that now, and notice that. So I wanted to highlight those four things, but underneath that, you've got to have faith in Jesus. They're going to cross the Red Sea, but I'll tell you, they're going to spend a lot of time in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. You can cross the Red Sea, but you know what? You can just keep doing circles in the wilderness without faith, or you can cross the Red Sea and go into the promised land. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Jesus was astounded at the people who had faith. You don't read that too often in the Bible. Jesus is astounded. Faith means you know who God is, you trust him, you trust his word, you're going to live by that, uh, and there's going to be breakthroughs. Uh, My wife and I are doing a devotion at night. Bob Goff is the author, and he talked about looking back, breaking through the sound barrier. 
And what, um, it's kind of like the Red Sea. I mean, scientists, experts were like, I don't think we could ever get through the sound barrier. I mean, 768 miles per hour. And you know what happened? They would get close and they would get up to 760, 765 and 760. You know what happens when you're getting close to the sound barrier? All that energy you're creating, it's pushing against the, the um, and it's starting to shake and rattle. And it's like, it gets scary. I mean, imagine if it's never been done before. No one's ever crossed the Red Sea. All that pressure is building up on your aircraft. And a lot of them, oh, okay, let's not do it. Let's not do it. Let's not do it. It's a lot of pressure. I used to, my first car was a big old station wagon and shake speed was about 55 miles per hour. I mean, my parents gave me that car because they didn't want me to speed, but it would be like the car would be talking, don't go any faster. And they're like, okay, 55, looks like it's maxing out. Don't want to blow up. Uh, Listen, 760 miles per hour, it was a point of fear. It took faith to break the sound barrier. And what Bob Goff says is that when things start to get crazy and shaking, you've got to go full throttle. And to cross the Red Sea, they had to be full of faith. And to continue to go to the promised land, it was going to be Joshua and Caleb full of faith. You can stay in the wilderness without faith. A whole generation can. Or with faith, you keep going to the promised land. With faith, God's going to do it. He heals, changes lives, he brings awakening. It's important we walk by faith together. Selah, selah, a meaningful pause. Why? We want to look back and be grateful. Right now in the present, we need a filling of the Holy Spirit, of God's presence and power. And we want to look forward with faith together, listening to God, leading and influencing. We want to trust the Lord for his glory in what he wants to do. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back right now to lead us in worship. And let's prepare our hearts. This is a song that is uh, right out of scripture. And I'm thinking about dads and families with this song. We want to sing this together and just proclaim scripture Uh, Dad, soak this up. It's for everyone. But we sang earlier, Be Thou My Vision, God. This song gives a vision for generations, for generations. And maybe you're not a, a physical dad or even a physical mom, but your influence is reaching generations. And this is a song of spiritual awakening. This is a song of God's presence and his favor for the generations to come. Saul was the first king and Ichabod was the word. The glory had departed. But David, let's bring the ark back. Let's seek the Lord. Let's go for his presence. God wants to fill us now. He wants to give us a vision and with gratitudes in our hearts from the past, we walk forward abiding and respond together. Let's sing this out.